podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how are you doing this morning? Yo, so good. So good. Happy Monday. Happy almost July. It's one of my favorite times of the year, regardless of football, but also things start getting exciting around nice July. So we got some we got some fun stuff happening around the 49ers spectrum. Absolutely. Uh, but to kick us off, Timmy, anything, any news that you have to share with us or any any things that we want to talk about regarding the Niners in any way? Yeah, we've definitely had some news break. I think the big things that came out over the weekend is Jeff Fowler on the 26th. That was yes, just yesterday. Uh, re- announced is reported that Debo Samuel still has not rescinded his trade request to the 49ers but the team is hopeful to mend the relationship and extend them by training camp. So what this means is that I think Debo's official stance is still asking for a trade, which is not shocking, but keep in mind that Debo was at minicamp and while not participating in drills by all accounts was fully invested. I mean, you could see he was having a good time. He was going over plays with Ayuk and some of the fellow receivers. He did not look like a man who is trying to bounce from this team and the way we've seen other guys do kind of hold-ins and stuff in in the past. So optimistic that that's going well, but kind of a, um, it had felt like this was going to get glossed over. And then to have Jeff Fowler announce that you, you always assume that they're getting info being told to announce things from, from the agents in most cases. So to have him announce that means the agent is still, is still really pushing on negotiations. And so that is a bummer. The other thing to come out is that George Kittle did say, Um, that he, I'm trying to find the official source, but I believe he said recently, I think in an interview at tight end university also over the weekend, yes, this is what it was. He was on bussing with the boys, which is a barstool podcast with Taylor Lewan and Will Compton two NFL players. And he said he expects Debo to be extended in the month of July. So that would line up with what Fowler's reporting here that it's going to happen around training camp. So I think I think we expect Debo to to get a, to get a lot of money. So, but again, kind of concerning because you felt like things were kind of getting patched up, and then to have it kind of pushed back out there that he still wants a trade is is never ideal. No, not not whatsoever. Um, we saw those reports that the trade offer was rescinded, and then we see reports that he's not. It's kind of just the same thing that we've seen this whole. Yeah offseason with Debo is we keep hearing things and then we hear it. That's not true. That's not true. So, you know, it is what it is. He'll resign. I sure hope I sure pray. Um, but I feel like, and we've said this before, just about anything we hear and talk about, unless it's from Debo's mouth or maybe some other guys, uh, we just can't believe it is what it was, what it feels like. Um, some other news that we haven't, uh, talked about yet since, it's uh we haven't had the chance since our last podcast is um we actually have a little jimmy g update after surgery we do um shoulder's been healing and he's 
he's going to start throwing in early July. So I don't know if early July means Friday, July 1st, or if that means like July 14th. Um, but regardless to say, I mean, he's, he's throwing at some point in July and I don't remember the exact timetable in which that he was projected to start throwing and, and get some looks after the surgery, but this feels right on time, if not early to me. And so I think that's encouraging for us 49ers fans who are hoping to offload that contract and, and see Jimmy Garoppolo play elsewhere. Totally. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and just one quick note I wanted to ask on, ask your opinion on, on Jimmy Garoppolo and trade suitors is I feel like last time we talked about him, we said in terms of a starting role, the Panthers and the Seahawks are the only two legitimate options. And the Seahawks have made it pretty clear they're not interested in neither yeah. Baker or Jimmy. Yeah, well, my my last piece of news was that it has been getting leaked pretty have been reported pretty heavily over the weekend, actually, that the Seahawks are interested in trading for Baker Mayfield and that have it sounds like made some outreaches on that deal and intend to sign him if he's released. So I think I think the Baker to Seattle thing is is worth looking at because that that takes a spot off destination wise. Mm -hmm. um, although we never really viewed the Seahawks as a as a destination because the division thing add in the fact that opens up Carolina. The other thing to keep in mind is you got to talk about it with the looming Deshaun watch Watson suspension. It's that is why I like bring it, this up. Yeah. It's sounding like it might be a season. It has become abundantly clear that Baker Mayfield will not be playing for them. If they need a guy, Jimmy's kind of the perfect guy to bring in, to keep your team for a year. You've got Kevin Stefanski running kind of a Shanahan McVay style offense, which is what, what Jimmy has thrived in with the 49ers. We saw Jimmy last year that he's the kind of guy who's willing to be like, yeah, this is not my team going forward, but I'm going to, I'm going to play for the now. Does he want to do that again? I don't know, but I, I think the Browns open up as a real potential trade destination guy who would reach out to Jimmy on the waiver wire. Once that Deshaun suspension comes down. So there's a couple things you have to wait for there. You have to wait for that suspension, which I think will be announced in the next couple of weeks. And you have to wait for a Baker move. But if both those things happen, Jimmy's the perfect guy to bring in to play an entire season. So we'd have to wait on the Watson suspension being an entire year. Will it be that? And again, I'm not talking about what it should be. This is what's going to happen. I'm not sure that it will be the entire season, in which case I don't expect that move to come together. But if he's suspended for the whole season, them bringing in Jimmy would make a lot of sense. So that's another thing to keep an eye yeah. on. And again, don't want to talk morality, what should happen. This is just what will happen. That's what we've been hearing. Um, I mean, that is exactly why we saw a lot of reports this weekend about the Deshaun Watson situation and what the outcome could be. I've seen a lot of reports talking about it could be a year. And yeah, it could be a year. It always could have been a year, um, but it hasn't been very clear if that's what it will be. Um, but we'll see. And so this is just a side note. What is kind of bonkers to me, I know Baker is no longer the guy in Cleveland, but they're outwardly saying that if Deshaun has suspended a full year, full season, we're rolling with Jacoby Brissett instead of Baker. You could do worse. Oh, you totally could do worse. You Jacoby could have Mason Brissett Rudolph. has been a competent NFL player many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Jacoby Brissett by any means, but I just think that he has 
almost proven that he is not the guy you necessarily want to choose. Like this is going to be our starting quarterback, especially over Baker, who certainly hasn't been awesome, even adequate. But I think that Baker has done better than Jacoby Brissett. I just think this shows how the relationship is absolutely cracked and broken and they should just, they're only keeping Baker right now because they want to trade him rather than just cut him. But Baker is out in Cleveland. There's no way he's on the roster when camp rolls around. So he, and he's got to get picked up somewhere else, even as a backup. Um, And if the Seahawks take him, that's what we're hoping for is they do. So then the Panthers go, okay, we've got Sam Darnold. We've got Matt Corral. We've got PJ Walker. The Niners are about ready to pay us to take Jimmy Garoppolo. Do we take that or do we roll with these quarterbacks that we have? And yeah, it would make sense to take Jimmy Garoppolo, especially at the lower value that he would now be at after taking so long after knowing that, okay, this is like, we're like, who wants, I'm just picturing us at a white elephant gift and we got the gift. No one wants now Gotta trade we're it. Going, Anyone going to trade wants to it? Steal it? No one Michael wants to Scott steal with it? the oven mitt in the office. Yeah, precisely. And so that's how I see it now is that Jimmy Garoppolo, it's where it's like, you know, it's a decent gift. Like someone who, someone has a worse gift. Someone has a worse gift. And it's like, are they willing to, to be that guy, to be that team to go? Yeah, we like say it. We've got the worst gift. You know what? We just want to make out of this party with a better gift. And Jimmy Garoppolo somehow is that gift. And that's how I see the situation that I'd like to make it out with the $20 gift card. Yeah, I just could not look around the white elephant gift exchange. All the cool things have been locked up, but there's a $15 uh, Jamba Juice gift card. And you're like, you know what? Cut my losses. Take that gift card and get out. That's Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't know. I don't know who the Panthers GM is. I don't know a lot of teams GMs, but Matt rule. He was on the hot seat this year, right? And I think, oh, he's he's fired at the end of this season unless they make the playoffs, which they won't. Oh, yeah. So you're saying he will be not. He was right. He's still there. Uh, he was not fired. I'm reasonably confident he will be fired yes. because I think he should have been fired. Yeah. So he's he's on the hot seat before the season starts. And yeah, I mean, so this is his last year because they're not making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs even if they sign Jimmy. They're not making the playoffs if they signed Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there is there is just not enough talent there. The defense is young and growing, but with Chris McCaffrey not being able to play and you know, it's, it's just not a good enough offense at all, even with their growing defense. But regardless, if I'm Matt Rule, and I understand he's not the one making this call, but if I'm going to get fired, I would like to do it not because oh, we rolled with Sam Darnold yet again, uh, or we let rookie Matt Corral, who I'm not trying to knock him. We haven't seen him, but he was a third, fourth round draft pick. So yeah just throwing that guy in as a starter right away almost doesn't seem fair or the right move for a coach. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Give yourself at least a fighting chance and maybe to take the blame off some of yourself to go, well, we went out and got a better quarterback. It wasn't, you know, Sam Darnold wasn't like, oh, if we replaced him, we'll be better. No, your team is not good enough yet. You weren't given enough to work with. To me, it just makes sense. That's, That's my Jimmy Garoppolo news rant for the day. Totally. Yeah. No, I think, I think the move will happen in the next month or two because they have to release him before the season if they're going to. So we will know soon. But I think, again, we've talked about this. We're 
you're one move away from another trade destination opening up. And that could be, that move could be a Deshaun Watson suspension. That move could be Carson Wentz tears his ACL again. Like there you're, you're always, and you're not rooting for these things. Well, you're rooting no. probably for a Deshaun Watson suspension, but you're not rooting for another quarterback to get injured, but you're, you're one move away from a team that you didn't think of as a potential trade destination becoming one. So that's something to keep in mind is that the 49ers could very well, they are playing a dangerous game of chicken here, but somebody wins in a game of chicken. So it's, it, it's possible. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the teams that when we first talked about potential trade suitors for Jimmy Garoppolo, I want to say steel. I want to say even the bucks were a potential possibility. This is before Tom Brady yeah, resigned. Brady, Brady would, would not unretire. Yeah, and I even re-signed, unretired, excuse me. Uh, Steelers, Bucks. I feel like the Commanders were in there, and this is before this is before the Wentz trade. This is before this the Steelers assigned to Mitchell Trubisky and drafted Kenny Pickett. This is before Tom Brady. Uh, Saints were a team of topic. Got Jameis Winston back, so just everyone went with other guys, and I think almost all of the reasoning was because of the surgery. Um, was a huge part of it. I mean, that was talked about way into way early into free agency and it kind of set things aside. So that's what we got. Speaking of nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, tight end university has been happening. An <laughs> awesome transition. Oh, yes. And George Kittle is just our favorite human running that thing. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Greg Olson stepping in even in a bigger role this year since he has retired. And I think I saw that legendary tight end Dallas Clark was there. I don't know if he's there yeah, every year. He, he, I don't know if he's there every year, but man, he looked jacked. Big dude. Um, one of my favorite tight ends when I started getting into football, I was, I've always been a Niners fan, but I was also enamored with the Colts and the offense they had when it was, uh, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, I believe when I started watching all of football, not just the Niners, Reggie Wayne was a rookie, had Dallas Clark, um, just a, a fun team, a really, really good offense. And Jeff Saturday was the center and fun memories there. Um, but yeah, tight end university. Um, Timmy is, is very sad that Trey Lance was not able to make it. We talked he a lot was about invited. He was it was a there. scheduling conflict. So hopefully he and George are still friends. <laughs> I'm positive. They're still friends. Uh, it's just, I just, I could talk about tight end university all day. Cause I think it's so cool that these top tight ends, Kittle, Kelsey and Olsen at the time at a time are willing to essentially trade secrets to better other tight ends and to talk with these guys about how to be a better tight end. And it's just so cool to see the metrics that they talk about. I'll see videos of Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey coaching. And he's just talking about the first step and the direction and the power and the planting. And, and I love the mechanics. It's That's when the- I watch things like that, that I learn, I will never have that good control of my body ever. I'm like, no. yeah, my foot moves forward. Like sometimes if I'm walking on a sidewalk, I try to like step on the lines to mix things up, but that's about the level of coordination, (laughs) placing my feet I can achieve. I love, especially for uh, 
I've coached baseball for a few years and it, it just the, the small mechanics and the tweaks has been the metrics of it has been my favorite part of, of the sport of any sport and of coaching. And it's fun getting to see a top tier, like the top tier player, like Travis Kelsey do that as well. And, you know, it's, I, I feel like we see a lot of coaches who weren't the best players, but who become great coaches and Kelsey is the best tight end around and, and arguably one of the best of all, not even arguably one of the best of all time. Very clear to see that as he's breaking records left and right. And I just hope that he becomes a coach one day. And it's fun to see, fun to see him starting now and, and coaching up the tight ends. And um, it's just cool that Kittle and Kelsey and Olsen started this thing and that it's, it's growing and rolling and getting bigger. It is, it is totally cool. And it's cool to see, I feel like stereotypically tight ends are thought of as an underappreciated position. So it's kind of, I mean, like when you have a guy like Jimmy Graham going to court to try to argue that he's actually a wide receiver and not a tight end, like hopefully that's something that stops happening now as the position kind of becomes a little more, a little more respected. And it's cool to see that that's important to George Kittle, as well as just like passing on skills he's learned. And it's also validating to hear like George Kittle is thought of as one of, if not the best at his position by his peers. And that just validates what we as 49ers fans have, uh, have known for a long time. We're, we're big George guys here. He gets knocked a lot fantasy wise, but he truly is one of the best tight ends of all time. When you throw in his blocking, when you throw in his ability to be involved in every single play ever. Um, and I, th- I think, as you said, the other guys, the other tight ends would say the same thing where George is absolutely one of the best. Um, and he still is one of the best fantasy, um, but Kelsey's also got that pretty locked up as well. But yeah, um, we talked about it last podcast. I was really uh, fascinated with an article regarding the superlatives that Kyle was handing out superlatives this year. Um, so two reporters uh, did this article and they have a couple categories and they kind of differed on every single category. So I thought that was cool. So I just wanted to share this and then talk about our own candidates for each category. Um, That makes sense. Let's do it. The first reporter uh, for most underrated. I wonder if they do have, they have some different categories for most underrated. uh, One reporter has Daniel Brunskill as his most underrated 49er. And the other reporter has Aziz Alshire as his most underrated. Timmy's a little confused on this Daniel Brunt school, most underrated. I mean, define underrated. Like if you think ah, most so people vain. have a low opinion of them, then that would be correct. But underrated usually means that most people have a low opinion of them and are wrong. And I just don't think people who think Daniel Brunskill isn't that good of a player are wrong. I think it's to me, underrated as more uh, part of what you're saying is they are viewed as lower and they shouldn't be as viewed as low as they are. It's not necessarily. No, I just feel like, like Daniel oh, is properly viewed. <laughs> properly viewed. To me, I'm I'm sure we can find more candidates, some better candidates for underrated. Uh but I, I, yeah, wonder I don't love if, Aziz El Shire either because I feel like he got a lot of hype, a lot of well deserved appreciation last year. Well maybe that's what this guy's saying is that Aziz uh you know, it could be a starting one, two linebacker on another team, but because we've got Fred and Dre, um, he's our number three. And so that could be underrated or we'd have to read through the whole thing to truly debrief to you what, what their points are. But um, what, who do we think our, give us uh, just a couple of seconds to think through 
who our most underrated player could be. And that's hard. Um, you know, I want to think back to some of the playoff games. The first player who pops into my mind is Jawan Jennings, just because he was a really good answer. Just clutch as can be in a lot of those moments. Um, and I think that he, if he's truly one of the most underrated guys, he's going to have a big, big season. Um, as he's the clear number three wide receiver for the Niners heading into the season. Um, and it's hard. Uh, gosh, I just can't get my mind off of saying Talanoa Hufunga, but I can feel the bias oozing through me when I want to say that. Um, but that's that's kind of where I want to go. It is, is saying it's Talanoa Hufunga, but it's a it's a it'll be a prove it year for not for him, but for me, <laughs> because I said he's most underrated. He's in a second year. He's not in a perfect year. He's got a few more years before he needs to be there, but okay. I believe the only player they agreed on in each category was best player, best player. I don't know if it's at best player at their position, best player on the team. Um, but uh, any guesses? There's, I mean, there's they three agreed on. It has to be Bosa, Kittle, or or Debo. Like those are your three options, and it's probably Nick Bosa. They both agreed that the best player, and he was not one of your three, but I know you're not shocked that it's Trent Williams. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's my bad for not for not saying Trent. He should have been the fourth on there. Absolutely, at least one like in that same category. I mean, he's he's the best left tackle in the game, and you know what's crazy is because he's. What 32, 33? Is he older than that? Um 33, 34 sounds right. Okay, so so a year behind, I guess. Uh, but I just remember him being on the Washington Redskins and then the Washington football team. He's 33. And I knew I knew about him, I knew he was good, but I don't think it was until right before he went to the Niners that I really realized that he was literally the best left tackle in the game. Yeah. Um, and I think, you he know, is. being, being on a, a not so good team for a while, he really got some buzz when he went to the Niners and with that contract that he was given as well, but he really took off. And, and I think he truly is potentially the best player, the biggest game changer on, on this roster. Okay. Moving through this key new addition, key new addition to this, to this roster of the San Francisco 49ers. One reporter had Kamoko Ture, who he signed, who's most recently in the Colts, defensive tackle, defensive edge. Um, I don't see him being the biggest Kino addition. So they must know more than we do. They must, I mean, they do get a closer look at training camp practice. They see all that stuff. So that makes me excited that he's the top Kino addition. Um, I don't see it or agree with it yet, but. That just means, oh, you know, there's cool stuff happening that we don't quite see. The other one is Ty Davis Price. Now, that got me a little more accurate, so I think that that's pretty cool. Um, but who would you say your, your pick for key new addition would be just at this point, Timmy? Yeah, I'm going from the draft, and I think similar to an answer they gave, but they gave the wrong the wrong answer. Um, I think it's Drake Jackson. Uh, yeah, he, he's coming out of the draft, but to be an edge rusher, and we, we've talked about this, to, to be able to take 
to punish teams when they double team Nick Bosa is what we need on the other side of the edge. And Drake Jackson was drafted to be that. And it might take him a little bit, but I fully expect him this season to, to reach that level. So I, I think our biggest key addition is, is Drake Jackson. He, he is my second choice. And I agree with everything you said. Um, I just don't see it being any other option than Traverius Ward. And that might be specifically because of the need at cornerback where I feel so strongly about that. But I mean, we have heard so much buzz about Traverius Ward already um, that we've talked about on the show that he was on most, one of the most underrated players lists. Uh, He has just been getting so much buzz and and talking about how we got at a three-year, $36 million deal, which, you know, it's a big deal, Uh, especially for cornerbacks, but not comparatively to a a JC Jackson type buzz, but um, he, to me, and that's who, uh, that's who I would put down for, for key new addition. And I'm not, you know, we just have the title. Maybe there was a different thought here. Maybe it was key new addition. And he was almost too big of a name for that, but, he was recently signed and I think he's the best fit for this. And I think he's going to make the biggest impact. So that's who I've got there for Kino. Totally. I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Should we move on to one of our favorite segments that we did last season? We are going to do some 49ers schedule predictions. We're going to do this over our next coming slate of episodes. We're going to pick four games a week from the regular season. We don't care about the preseason because Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about the preseason. So why should we bother with it? But we are going to pick wins and losses, make some predictions. It's going to be fun. And the NFL doesn't either. They've made it very clear that they do not care about preseason either. We keep cutting weeks. Uh, It's just to see who's rounding out the roster. And I get that. It's spring training for football. Totally. Totally. Well, starting off, starting off the season away, not always what you want, but when it's at Chicago playing the bears, I'm okay with that. That's kind of what we want. Yeah. Um, the bears new head coach, Matt Eberflus, I think is how it's pronounced. Defensive guy, still Justin Fields. Their sophomore quarterback, who they have made zero investment to help out by bringing in any offensive talent for him. Yeah, we're going to smoke him. Um, I expect a lot of sacks. Justin Fields' biggest issue last season was that he hung out in the pocket too long. And I, I think he's actually a good quarterback, but they have not done a very good job of surrounding him with talent to help him. I fully, fully expect the 49ers to walk away with an easy win in Chicago week one, anything else to add to that one? I feel like that's a, that's an easy one. I uh, know. I mean, it's an obvious projected win to me. Um, as we've talked about plenty of times that no win in the NFL is an easy one. It's a, it's a one game series compared to other sports. It's an incredibly hard thing to do to win a football game because they're all professional football players. So giving that context, we will smoke the bears. Um, they are not, as you said, not built. Uh, no part of them is uh, looking good to me. Uh, they lost Akeem Hicks. Akeem Nix Hicks. Hicks. That guy, the really good defensive tackle. Um, I don't remember who they added on defense. Um, they've got Eddie Jackson, strong safety. Uh, lost Khalil Mack. Um, 
Robert Quinn, I hear wants out of there. I don't know if that'll be granted, but just not a great defense whatsoever. And they tried addressing that in the draft with their no first round pick. Um, but yet also that poor offense, uh, Allen Robinson gone. I love Darnell Mooney, but he's not got a lot of help. Uh, Justin Fields, I do think will be good. I think it's going to take quite a bit for him to truly, truly succeed because of the talent around him. And he may never succeed in Chicago because it's going to take a while to truly build a good roster there around him. So he might play out his rookie year there, get out, and then we go, oh, it's Justin Fields guy's actually pretty good. And then yeah, it'll be everyone and I, I knew all along, but he was on a horrible team. I think the thing to keep in mind is they might, the Bears might have the right quarterback right now. They might even have the right head coach right now, and they're still going to be bad this season. And yeah, that's that, just not that's enough. the final thing to keep in mind. They're just there in year one of this thing, and you're bad in year one of, of a rebuild 99% of the time. So should be an easy win. I will. I will give David Montgomery some respect, but he's just their O-line plus him is just no match for this Niners defense. Yeah, totally. Uh, oh, one. Yeah. Sorry, one, one and oh, excuse one me. And oh. One, one and oh. I, I can't do is, math this summer. Next up is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I have a Home caveat. Opener. I have a caveat that I want to say for these Seattle Seahawks. This is not your parents' Seattle Seahawks. I think I said this before, but we need to remind ourselves that the Seahawks are bad now. They just lost Russell Wilson, and their best potential option at quarterback is bringing in Baker Mayfield, who I like, but is not Russell Wilson. Most likely, they're going to have Drew Locke or Geno Smith, both of whom are bad. The Seahawks are not a good football team right now. They Now, Pete Carroll always manages to drag them into contention. So maybe they put up more wins than we expect, but I do not expect them to be able to hang with the 49ers. We need to reprogram in our brains, how we think about the NFC West. And we will talk about this more when we do our divisional preview episode later in the off season, but we need to, we in our minds, at least me, and I'm guessing a lot of 49ers fans still are terrified of the Seahawks because of the runs with Jim Harbaugh, even a few years ago in 2019, 2020, the Seahawks being our biggest obstacle on that Super Bowl run. We need to reprogram our brains and remind ourselves that the Seahawks are not that good anymore. I expect the 49ers to walk away with a win here. Daniel, I love the way that you that said, I love the way that you said Pete Carroll drags them into the playoffs. <laughs> I just, I picture that so vividly of him just pulling a Pete Carroll, pulling a little trailer full of the 53 men roster saying, come on, come on. It's playoffs time. Cause Pete always makes it almost always does, but no, I mean, they do not have a, a fully built roster. They do have some studs. Um, they did lose Bobby Wagner to a division rival, LA Rams, yikes. Uh, young linebacker, Jordan Brooks, is probably going to take right over. Um, they've, they've got some good players on both offense and defense. Uh, running back room is, is full, uh, but I believe Chris Carson, I don't even know, I can't remember if he's signed or not, but is injured. And Kenneth Walker is going to be the future. And, um, you know, I think it's a similar thing to the Bears where this should be an easy win, but again, can't discount the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and division rival games are always, always funny. We always say always weird, especially this last year with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Throw out the record books when these two teams play. Am I right? Uh, yes, you are very correct. Um, but no, I, I think that home openers, this should be a, a fun, 
fun game to have as a home opener. Um, and I, I am fully confident saying we're going into the season two and oh. Um, but I do remember us being in this position last year where we were talking, we said, Oh, super easy going two and oh, we're gonna play the Packers two and oh, and we were right. We did go play the Packers in week three at two and oh, but my goodness, it was an ugly two and oh against the Lions and the Eagles, and we just squeaked out wins against two. At least the Lions last season was such a weird season, the weirdest, but barely squeaked out a win against the Lions. We looked horrible. We won. Uh, We beat the Eagles. We looked horrible. But I will say, you know, the Eagles went to have a great season. I was dogging them all year. Not a big Eagles guy whatsoever, but uh, they obviously had a much better season than we were ready for. So I don't think it was as much of the Niners not doing well and looking not put together in week two as it was yeah, they had a tough tougher opponent than we thought but i don't see that being the case this year we're two and oh heading into denver broncos in week three. First evening game prime time yeah reminder that as we talk about the seahawks it's fitting that the broncos follow up because they have a new quarterback Russell Danger Wilson, I think he likes to call himself for a period of time, but Russell Wilson is now leading the Broncos. The Broncos have perennially been that quarterback away team with a really, really solid defense and a good wide receiver core, great running back room. One of the best in the NFL, I think, with Javante Williams and why can't I remember his name, Melvin Gordon, bring in a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, formerly of the Green Bay Packers. Again, coming off this Shanahan McVay tree, if you go far enough up the tree. And I think it, it should be, this should be a good game. I'm excited for this. I'm worried about the Broncos. I think Russell Wilson, even though he was not at his best last season, was coming off injuries and is, is one of the NFL's better, if not great quarterbacks. Yep. Add him to a team that really has been a quarterback away for a while now. I expect the Broncos to be good. I expect this game to be a lot of fun and a good game. I think I think I lean towards the 49ers winning just because I think the 49ers are probably a more complete team. But yeah, I, I worry about the about the Broncos this season. I think they are going to be a very good team. I know we said, uh, you said that last year wasn't Russ's best year, and it was not, but I also think part of it, and a lot of teammates have saw reports of this during the year, especially after the year, that he was checked out. Uh, there are so, mon- so many rumors about Russ getting out of Seattle and going somewhere else, and I think he wanted it so early and so bad. Um and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to attack his character by any means saying that ah he didn't care. I bet he he tried his best to be involved and to be present. But after having such a dynasty in Seattle and being a huge being the leader of that, not having that probably was I mean has to be so challenging for him. And so I bet every single day was a challenge for him to stay focused and stay on the grind even with a poor team even in the same place and so I'm with you where I do think the Niners squeak out a win. Um, But this is a game where I wouldn't be surprised if we lost because this is a tough opponent. Um, I think, you know, I would like to say that the first two games are going to be a blowout with easily a one to two touchdown point differential. I I see this being a Robbie gold game winning field goal to end this tough matchup. Um, game against the Broncos there's no room for errors if we make silly mistakes like we did in the start of our last season we will lose this game unless they make the same mistakes and even it out um 
And one thing I want to say about the Broncos real quick is that they're getting a lot of hype and rightfully so, but I almost think they're getting not the wrong hype, but people who don't know as, as much about football or uh, the specifics and ins and outs and the details. It's so it's almost, uh, it's not incorrect hype. It's just, um, it's, it's close, but Nathaniel Hackett, as you mentioned, comes from the tree of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and he's on the greatest of all time list. He's not high on it. Uh, but Russ, Russ is in that conversation of some of the top quarterbacks of all time, but yeah. I'm not saying he's at the top of that list, but having a coach who's from an incredible coaching tree, who's been in green Bay where they've done incredible things, who's got to work with Aaron Rodgers, is now coming to Denver with a great football program, a great team, a great quarterback. And yeah, a team and that's I don't been think good. Just quarterback less. You can't underestimate how important, how like, good the Broncos defense and like all the pieces have been without the quarterback. Like I would argue they were a lot better than the bucks were before Brady joined them. Like I, I worry about that. If Russell Wilson can be 85% of what he was at his piece, this Broncos team is going to be really good. Yes. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, lost Von Miller not long ago, but, um, but Bradley Chubb will be back and healthy. Great. He'll be back and healthy. Yeah. Strong, strong. I mean, they've been coached by Vic Fangio for the last two or three years. Like, yeah. by the way, who I'm really hoping will be the 49ers next defensive coordinator because he was hanging out at minicamp. But mm. anyways, I worry about this game. This game I'm really excited for. It's the Sunday night football game. Let's check out this new Sunday night football booth. I don't even know. I think it's Mike Tarico and Chris Collinsworth. They're always fine together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Should I be, mean, should be fun. An offense with Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. You know, we, we've always known Sutton and Judy were good. They've had injuries. They haven't had a quarterback. But now, you know, this is the real test. So I, I, yeah. I want to look up their schedule and see if how, uh, how their games fare yeah. um, I, the weeks, I, two, two weeks before us. I almost don't even want to like make a prediction here for this game, but I think I'm going to pick the 49ers because I think even if I think we're just, I think we're going to be a really good team this year, but I, it should be a fun one for sure. Week one for the Broncos at Seahawks week two for the Broncos home against the Texans. Yeah. So they will be two and oh going into week three. It'll be two and oh, two and oh, the 49ers. That's going to be a really, really put circle that on the calendar. Everyone. Oh, it's going to be a really fun game. Circle. Circle this next week on the calendar as well. Monday night football with a new booth of Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, probably Uh, the best duo in all of football commentating, in my opinion. Although I think I've said this before, I expect Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels to pass that instantaneously on their first Thursday night football game. But we we have the 49ers facing the reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Is it a home game? I don't even, is it at Levi's? It doesn't even matter. It's a home game yes. either way because the 49ers own uh, SoFi Stadium as well. So much so. So this game is going to be awesome. These games have been so good for so long. The 49ers so, had won five or six in a row until they lost in last season's NFC Championship. The 49ers own the Rams. I expect them to continue to own the Rams even after last year's little slip up. But this game is going to be real fun. So tell me, Timmy, because last year, the Niners won both 
uh, regular season games and then lost in the playoffs at SoFi to them. Yeah. So tell me, this is literally exactly. one of the this is one of the greatest games for the Niners season, obviously. But when the Niners and Rams play in the last year, this is one of the greatest games in the NFL all season long. So it's going to be real fun. What's different about this season? Obviously, the Rams won the Super Bowl, but what is different about this matchup this year in Week Four at Levi's? I mean, ideally, we're healthier. We're going to have a bet, much better secondary with Charvarius Ward in the cornerback room. Ideally, we have much more of a dynamic threat at quarterback, assuming Trey Lance has taken a, the step forward we're being told he has and assuming he is the starter. I mean, that opens up the ability, his ability to rush completely changes the dynamic on the field. And the Rams are resting on their laurels a bit. I mean, there were a lot of Sean McVay retirement rumors, Aaron Donald retirement rumors. They want to run it back. They do, but they they went out to win this Super Bowl and they did. So could there be a bit of a Super Bowl hangover? I certainly think so. They lost Andrew Whitworth. I don't know who their new left tackle is, but that's a huge, no matter who it is, unless it's Trent Williams, you basically have a downgrade at left tackle. The 49ers defense, I expect to be better. We've talked about the addition of Drake Jackson. The linebacker room is going to be healthier. The offense, I expect to be better. Um, I, I think the 49ers are going to be a better team, and I could see the Rams resting on their laurels a bit. However, I still kind of think I, this could be the 49ers' first loss of the season. I don't even want to really predict a winner for this one, but it's going to be awesome for sure. I agree with you on the Super Bowl hangover, and I think we actually see that most commonly in football um, in recent years. I mean, I can't remember the last time a team went back to back. Maybe it really was recent. I'm just forgetting. But uh, 